The gospel writer, Luke, tells us that God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin woman named Mary to tell her that she was going to give birth to his son, Jesus Christ. Why did God choose Mary above all other women on earth to carry his son? You say, well, God said he was going to send his Messiah, his son, to the Hebrew people. He said he was going to send it to the tribe of Judah, and it was going to be a virgin. Okay, so maybe that narrows it down to 500 uh, women candidates. But still, why did he choose Mary? Here are the questions I want to ask today. Why does God do amazing things through some people, but not so much through others? Or another way, why are some people used mightily by God while others make no impact for God's kingdom? Still another way to ask it, how can you experience God's grace in your life? Mary experienced God's grace. She didn't earn the right to be the mother of Jesus. God just graciously chose her. But how can you experience God's grace? How can you experience more of God's grace in your life? How can you experience more of God in your life? The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to them. God is looking for people upon whom he can shower his grace. Maybe you're thinking, God could never use me. That's not true. Not only can God use you, he wants to use you. Maybe you're not even sure you believe in God. He wants to know you. He's eager to shower his grace on you in ways you could never imagine. You can experience God's grace in your life. Why did God pour his favor on Mary? Let me suggest four reasons he showed his grace to Mary and can to you as well. First, God gives his grace to ordinary people. There's nothing in the Gospels that suggests that Mary was anything other than an ordinary woman. God took an ordinary woman and used her in extraordinary ways. In her song of praise, after Abel had uh, Gabriel had announced to her that she was going to carry uh, Jesus, uh, she praised God for rescuing the poor, the downtrodden, the needy, the hungry, and the ordinary people in the world, suggesting that that's how she saw herself. Why did God choose Mary? It wasn't because of her education. She probably didn't have a formal education. It wasn't because of her wealth. She was poor. It wasn't because she was mature. She was a teenager. Teenager, that means if God chose a teenager to bear his son, that means God can use you. Mary didn't say, I was wondering, God, when you'd get around to choosing me. You really got a great deal when you chose me. No, she recognized that she didn't deserve God's grace in her life. She didn't merit it. First thing we have to understand for God to use us is that God's grace is unmerited. Mary didn't earn the right to be the mother of Jesus. God chose her in his grace. God uses ordinary people. Most people think that God only uses long 
time spiritual giants. Several years ago, I saw potential in a new member. I invited him to become a community group leader. He said, I don't know much about the Bible. It's been a long time since I've been in church. I says, that won't disqualify you as long as you openly admit that to your group members. He became one of our finest leaders. I was talking to one of the four guys in uh, our discipleship group, my discipleship group this year, and we've come to the end of our time, and we're all going to try to start new groups in January. And, and, and one guy says, you know, I can do this. I can start a new group. It's not that hard. We rotate leadership each week, and uh, sure. If you want to experience God's grace in your life, you say, God, I don't know a ton, and I don't have a lot of experience, but I'm willing to be used. In fact, the more humble you are, the greater the likelihood that God can use you. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He said this to the Apostle Paul, and Paul responded, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. You can make a huge difference for God in this world, and you don't have to be anything out of the ordinary to do so. One of the reasons most people become Christians when they're young is because children are open to God. They're unaffected. They're so ordinary. I love to hear children sing Christmas carols. They sing at the top of their lungs, even though they they don't understand half of what the words mean. I remember hearing my three-year-old son sing at the top of his lungs, Hark the hairy angels sing. A few years later, I heard our, our five-year-old son uh, sing, uh, Deck the walls with balls of jolly. I mean, just singing at the top of his strength. God loves to receive praises from children and ordinary people. He can shower his grace on you. The second reason you can experience God's grace in your life is because God gives his grace to people who want to do his will. Let's read the story of how the angel came to Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Usually when someone meets an angel, they're, they're startled, maybe they're afraid, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You found grace with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. This is one of the names for God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. She wanted to do God's will. You've got to say, God, I want your will for my life. God made you for a purpose, but you could miss it if you do not cooperate with him. God doesn't force his will on us. God uses people who want to do his will. People who say, God, I want whatever you want for my life. An angel appeared to Mary and said, God has this plan. You'll never guess how he's going to execute his plan. He's going to enter into your womb as a baby. God told Mary, I'm choosing you to be the mother of Jesus Christ, the vehicle by which I enter the world. Mary responded, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary didn't say find somebody else. When God said, I want to use you, Mary didn't say, well, I got my career to think about. This is kind of inconvenient, God. I've got to kind of decide what works best for me. She didn't turn him down and say, find somebody else. She wanted it. She was excited. Mary said, God's mercy extends to those who fear him. We learn from this that she feared God. A synonym for fear is love God. God. Mary loved God. She wanted to do whatever he wanted for her. God showers his grace on people who want to experience his grace. Do you want to experience God's grace in your life? If God's going to work in your life, if you're going to become all that God wants you to be, you must desire it. It's not automatic. You must say, I want your will for my life. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Why? David says, I desire to do your will, O God. Is that your desire? You say, I want to do God's will. I really want to do it, but I blow it so many times. The first thing you have to do is to invite Christ into your life. And turn the controls over to him. Then he will increase in you a desire to do his will. Paul said, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We want his will and then he gives us more of a desire to do his will. How do you know when you really want God's will in your life? You take time to listen to him every day. If you're not reading the Bible or using our journal or some other study tool. If you're not listening to him, you probably really don't want God's will because you can go days without spending time with him. God speaks to people who listen. Mary had a listening ear. She was tuned in to God. She said, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do, God. Jesus shared a key principle for experiencing God's grace when he said, Seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. If we put him first, God will give us his grace and all, well, all else we need in our lives to serve him. Have you ever been in a pool or a lake or a river and you're out of breath? You push off from the bottom and you're, you're totally out of oxygen. You wonder if you can get to the top. When you finally get there, you take a gasp of air. That's the way it needs to be with God. We say, God, I want you so much. I want you first in my life. To experience God's grace, we must want to do His will. It's the same for our country. To experience God's will for our country, we have to, as a nation, want to know Him. Our second president, John Adams, wrote in 1798, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Adams meant that if we're going to have freedom, it must be under the rule of law that is based on a moral foundation that applies to everyone. Liberty thrives only when the individual citizens live by virtues such as honesty, responsibility to one's family and country, a sense of loyalty to one's employer, and pride in the quality of one's work. When we can no longer trust other people in our country to live with these virtues, our country turns into chaos. That's kind of what we face after our election. Many Americans think the election was won by fraud. 77% of Republicans, 28% of Independents, and 10% of Democrats. That's Quinnipiac. I mean, when I don't care what your political affiliation, that is a problem. If that many people no longer believe we have a democracy. That's why, now get this, the only hope for our country is in people coming to Christ and having Him change our hearts. We can't possibly employ enough police officers to monitor the behavior of every citizen 24 hours a day. But when people, by faith, voluntarily choose to do the right thing, whether or not someone's looking over their shoulders, then you have a police officer in every heart, on every street corner. We can't turn our country around by writing more laws. It can only happen by us coming to know Christ and Him changing our hearts so that we want to do His will. The third way you can experience more of God's grace, God gives His grace to people who are willing to pay the cost. When you follow Christ, there's always a cost. Think of the cost Mary had to pay to carry God's Son. It cost her reputation. She was a virgin, yet she was pregnant. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. How was she going to explain it to Joseph? If you were engaged and your fiancé said, I'm pregnant, you're not the father, but God is, what would you say? Mary had to understand that she was possibly going to have to give up the man that she loved. Mary must have wondered, what will my friends think? I'm single, and I'm pregnant, and the baby's going to be God. Right. What are the chances you're going to believe her if you're one of Mary's neighbors? 
Mary, you're a teenager. You're single. You're engaged. You're pregnant. And you're still a virgin? And God's the daddy? Come on. Think of what the neighbor said about Mary and Joseph. Poor Mary and Joseph. They're both <clears throat> sharing this far-fetched story that God's the daddy. Why hasn't Joseph dumped her? They must be codependent. She's pregnant, and both of them are living in denial. She gave up her reputation for most of her life. Jesus didn't perform his first miracle until he was 30. That means most of her life, people did not believe she was the mother of the Son of God. The point is, if you get serious about God, there are going to be people who, be people who misunderstand you. There will be people who judge you. If you want God's will for your life, there are people who are going to be unhappy about that and will criticize you. It also cost her comfort. The Bible says that Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. Mary lived in Nazareth. How would you like to have to travel at nine months pregnant, a 120-mile trip on a donkey? And then she gave birth in a you know, foreign town, in a stable, without her family around. And then they heard that Herod was trying to kill their baby. And so they had to flee to Egypt. God's will for our life always involves problems. That's part of God's curriculum <clears throat> for us. There's always a cost. Jesus is very upfront about this. He says, whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough to complete it? What are you willing to give up in order to experience God's grace in your life? He may ask you to give up some habits. He may ask you to give up some friendships that are tearing you down. He may ask you to give up your plans to do His plan for your life. Are you willing to pay the cost? Some people will criticize you and scoff at you for your faith. You'll have to stand your ground. The late Muhammad Ali boarded a plane and the flight attendant said, in order for this flight to take off, uh, you'll have to fasten your seatbelt. Mohammed said, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. And the flight attendant shot right back at him, Superman doesn't need a plane. She stood her ground. You have to stand your ground and pay the cost to follow Christ. Max Lucado tells the story of a woman who was willing to pay the cost. Her husband was injured trying to rescue his parents from their house that was on fire. He wasn't able to reach his parents, but in the process, he got his face badly scarred. He interpreted that to mean that God was punishing him, and so he shut everyone out of his life, including his wife. He just stayed in his room and wouldn't come out. So his wife went to Dr. Maxwell Maltz, a plastic surgeon, and he says, I can assure you, I can, I can uh, make your husband look almost perfectly the same again. But she was unenthused. Her husband had refused all efforts at help. And she was sure that he would turn down this doctor as well. So why the visit? She was asking the doctor to disfigure her face so she looked like her husband. So that maybe he would let her back into his life. 
The doctor refused her request, but he was moved that she would go to that length to get her husband back. And so he went to see the husband. He knocked on his bedroom door and he said, I'm Dr. Maltz and I assure you I can restore your face. There's no sound. No movement inside. The doctor told him the story that his wife had come to him asking him to disfigure her face so that he would open his life up to her again. Then slowly the door opened and the husband let him in. That's what God did for us. He was willing to disfigure himself. He went to great lengths to become a person and to enter into our world to save you and me. He paid the cost to serve you so that you might be willing to pay the cost to serve him. A fourth reason God showed his grace to Mary is God gives his grace to people who trust his promises. Mary trusted that God was really going to do this miracle in her life. She didn't have all the answers, but she knew that God did, and she trusted him. Mary believed the promise that she was going to conceive God's son. God showers his grace on people who trust his promises. As a result, God did miracles in Mary's life. You say, why doesn't God do miracles in my life? One reason God may not do miracles in your life is maybe you don't expect Him to. You play it safe spiritually. When was the last time you made a big request of God and then waited for Him to answer? When's the last time you waited to buy something and prayed for God to supply it for you somehow supernaturally? God promises to become supernaturally involved in our finances if we trust Him by giving back the first tenth of what we earn to Him. My guess is most of us, when we want something, we just go out and buy it. Maybe you've made the commitment to give back to God the first tenth of your income. In order to do that, you have to trust Him. You have to manage your finances. You have to allow Him sometimes to supernaturally and buy uh, provide things for you so you don't have to buy them yourself. God showers His grace on people who trust His promises. God chose Mary because she trusted His promises. My wife, my wife Jory, trusts God's promises. She's very strong in her faith. In her work with Kidspire, doing uh, adoption and humanitarian work, she's pro- traveled overseas probably 60 times. She's traveled to places like Russia, Romania, Moldova, Tatarstan, Kazakhstan, Albania, Ukraine, Vietnam, Laos, Kenya, and Honduras. Most of the time, she's traveled with another woman. I've worried every time. Uh, Two women traveling alone seem pretty vulnerable. One time, she was traveling with another woman in Russia, and they boarded a train And as they boarded the train, two Russian men motioned them to join them in their sleeping compartment. Jory waved them off, and they went on to their sleeping compartment, went inside, and Jory uh, locked the little flimsy lock. She knew good and well these men could break that any time they wanted. The men continued to knock on it. They were obviously intoxicated. Uh, But Jory just said, God, I know you called me to this work. And I trust you to protect me. Post an angel outside this door so these men can't break in. And then she crawled in bed and went to sleep. 
The only reason she knew that the men continued to bother them all night long is because her companion was awake all night, scared to death, praying for God to protect them. Mary trusted God's promise. God gives His grace to people who want His will more than anything else, who are willing to pay the cost, and who trust His promises. If God can take a teenager, a poor girl with no education, and choose her to be the mother of Christ, don't you think He can use you? You can experience God's grace in your life. You have enormous spiritual potential. God has gifted you, given you a sharp mind. One day you will stand before God and give an account. He'll say, what did you do with what I gave you? Are you willing to experience God's grace in your life? Are you willing to say, God, I don't want to go another day without you being first and me experiencing your grace with you using me? What God did with Mary, he offers to you. He offers a Mary-level invitation to you. He says, if you let me, I'll move in. Ask me to be Lord and Savior, and I will come in. This was the whole point of Jesus coming to earth, that he might live in you. Paul says the whole point is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ is in you, you are a modern-day Mary. Even more so, he was a fetus in her. He's a force in you. He will do what you cannot. Can't stop drinking? Christ can, and he lives in you. Can't stop worrying? Christ can, and he lives in you. Can't forgive the jerk who hurts you? Christ can, and he lives in you. Can't stop a bad habit? Christ can, and he lives in you. It's Christmas. What are you going to give Jesus Christ? It's his birthday. You're buying gifts for everybody else. Usually we buy a gift for the birthday boy. What are you going to give to Jesus? What do you give to somebody who has everything? Jesus has everything. Well, maybe not everything. He doesn't have you unless you give yourself to him. My suggestion for your Christmas gift to Christ this Christmas is you say, God, come into my life. Take me, the good, the bad, the ugly. Make me into whatever you want to do with me. I'm yours. Lord God, thank you for sending your son into the world. That you want to live in us. And if we invite you into our lives, you will. And Father, we want to be used by you. We want to experience your grace in our lives. And so we give ourselves fully to you this morning. I want to invite you to pray right now. Tell God you want to experience more of his grace in your life to make a greater difference in this world in your family, with your coworkers, with your classmates, your neighbors. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, tell him you believe he's God's son and he died for your sins and invite him to forgive your sins and come into your life. You pray. Lord God, thank you for your grace. 
that you're so good to us. Thank you that you want to know us, each one of us individually, and you want to be involved in our lives and make a difference in this world. This world is so messed up. We need your grace in this world, in our country, and we want you to be able to use us so we can surrender ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.